Cincinnati Sippers. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Chronicles of She. It's your girl, the queen, the one and only Taylor Kathy in the motherfucking building. Happy Friday. It is so good to be here with you guys. Talking this tea, talking shit, and sipping on this Hennessy. Mm. Baby, we have a lot to talk about. And we are going to start off with Wendy Williams today. Wendy Williams has finally been canceled. Whoo! I've waited so long to say that. It's sad. I just, I do not like Wendy. I don't because of her attitude, but maybe this is just, this was meant to happen. Here we go. After 13 season, the controversial show is coming to an end. Here we go. Wendy Williams might be hanging up her cap for good. This week, Deb Mar Mercury, the television syndication company that produces and distributes the Wendy Williams show, announced that Williams' daytime talk show will come to an end after 13 seasons. The announcement comes amid the media personality's recent health struggles, which has led to a rotating lineup of guest hosts filing in for her throughout this past season. Her show will instead be replaced by Sherry, a daytime talk show of the same then Oh, Vane, hosted by actress and comedian Sherry Shepard, who was one of the frequent guest hosts, others including Whitney Cummings and Jerry Springer, who filled in for Williams during her absence. Williams has spoken publicly before about her battles with hyper... hyper... Guys, I'm sorry. Hyper... Hyper... hyperthyroidism and Graves disease which resulted in previous hiatuses from her show it's been a challenging time for Wendy as she deals with her health issues she is incredibly grateful for Deadmar Mercury to Sherry and everybody else who has supported the show through this time a spokesperson for Williams said in a statement to Variety in response to the recent announcement Despite the apparent cancellation, though, Williams' response indicated that the possibility of a return. She, more than anyone, understands the reality of syndicated television. You can't go to the marketplace and sell a show that's the Maybe Wendy show, her spokesperson said. She understands why the decision was made from a business point of view, and she has been assured by Deadmar Mercury that should her health get to a point where she can host again and should her desire be that she hosts again she would be back on tv at that time news of the cancellation is not only noteworthy as the end of williams long-running and highly successful show but also as a sign of potential retirement of sorts for her as a media personality for better or worse williams has been a prominent media figure first building up her reputation as a polarizing radio shock jockey well jockette she was inducted into the national radio hall of fame in 2009 who was often seen as chaotic and meme worthy in her decades of commenting on pop culture and interviewing stars over the years, she's received backlash for spiky interviews with stars like Whitney Houston and for making cavalier comments about sexual assault and the personal lives of stars she dished about, all the while speaking publicly about the struggles in her own personal life, from her drug addiction to infidelity in her marriage. Yet, for fans of Williams' lighthearted celebrity gossip chatter, Shepard's show will us 
attentively make the mantle, including continuing Williams' own popular hot topic segment and likely to less controversial effect. OMG, I'm so excited to have my dream come true and debut my very own talk show, Sherry in the Fall, Shepard told Variety. I can't wait until I return to New York to host the show and merge everything. I love pop culture, talk, entertainment, and comedy. I am thankful for Debmar Mercury and Fox for partnering with me on this show and look forward to this new journey. <sighs> as much as I do not like Wendy Williams, she has paved the way and... All I'm saying is good luck, Wendy, and you have yourself a good retirement. And when you come back, hopefully it will be great. <sighs> I got to give credit where credit is due. I do not like Wendy, but I'm going to give my credit. <sighs> Pete Davidson seemingly shades Kanye West on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Pete did not fucking come to play, honey, about, about, about Kim's ex-husband. He ain't fucking scared of you, Kanye. He ain't. Pete Davidson seemingly took aim at Kanye West with a subtle post to his newly reactivated Instagram page. While he has yet to post anything to his grid, Davidson, who's been dating West's estranged wife Kim Kardashian since October, added a link in his bio that leads to a YouTube video of comedian Rupert Pump Pumpkin reciting his famous quote, Better to be king for a night than a schmuck for a lifetime. Ooh! Ooh! <laughs> oh, shit. Fans surmised that the video was a swipe at Wes and they flocked to the comment section to command this to commend the comedian for gracefully handling his beef with Wes. Stand tall, Pete. We've always loved you. Much support and SIC love in the shade. And reflection in the shade as well. Go, Pete, go. One person wrote in the comment section. Pete coming in with the hella shade and I am here for it. Slay King, a second person wrote. Well said, Pete. You are handling this situation as a man with class, which is more than I can say for yay. So glad Kim has found someone who treats her well and who she can be herself around, added another. Damn, shots fired. Nice job being super classy about this, Pete. Kanye is a fool. A fan agreed. Agreed, Pete. You fucking legend, mate. One more said. The Saturday Night Live star rejoined Instagram earlier this month after having deactivated his account for four years. A day later, West filed the King of Staten Island star's account. Davidson's subtle jab comes amid the Yeezy founders tirade against Kardashian as they continue to battle out their divorce. The rapper recently called Davidson a dickhead and gave him the demeaning moniker Skeet. As he continued to razz and threaten the comedian on social media, Wes also rapped about wanting to beat his ass on his recent song, Easy. And while he has been going on after Kardashian's new boyfriend, Wes has also publicly dragged the Schemes founder with whom he shares four children, North 8, Saint 6, Chicago 4, and Psalms 2. Kardashian filed for divorce from West in February 2021 after seven years of marriage. In January 2022, West, who legally changed his name to Ye, claimed that his ex was keeping him from seeing their children. He also said his daughter North had a TikTok account with Kardashian against his will. In a rare move, Kardashian responded with a statement calling on West to knock it off. 
It saddens me that Kanye continues to make it impossible every step of the way, she said at the time, adding, I wish to handle all matters regarding our children privately, and hopefully he can finally respond to the third attorney he has had in the last year to resolve any issues amicably. She continued, divorce is difficult enough on our children, and Kanye's obsession with trying to control and manipulate our situation so negatively and publicly is only causing further pain for all. Wes also posted screenshots of his private text with Kardashian where she was seen pleading with him to stop ripping on Davidson because it could put the comedian in danger. West recently objected to Kardashian's request to be declared legally single amid her di their divorce. He also trolled Kardashian using her SNL monologue in his Donda 2 performance on Tuesday night. Despite West's constant bullying, Davidson and Kardashian are going strong and spent Valentine's Day together. West attempted to win her back by sending a truckload of roses, but to no avail. Kardashian also recently opened up about putting her happiness first, saying she's team me davidson and kardashian have been romantically linked since october 2021 when they were spotted at knott's berry farm together kanye needs to get the fuck over she's not coming back and as i discussed on my previous episode his narcissistic attempts to bring her back and to control her it's not going to fucking work also i have some great news about miss lizette martinez Girl is doing big fucking things. She is doing big fucking things, and I'm very, very proud of her. As of this month, let me put this out here. She is going to the Commission for Women in Miami-Dade County Women's History Month kickoff event on March 2nd. Yes, she yes y'all she did it this week and i'm very proud of her if you guys got to see her please give her your congratulations she did amazing and i hope to have her on soon she's truly amazing and i love you girl keep doing what you're doing and shout out to kitty she has a new podcast out please keep doing what you do girl i love each and every one of you and you guys keep up the good work and may will be coming before you know it kelly this is your final this is your final walk through the court until you go to chicago and when the judge hits that gavel and says life in prison i'm going to be twerking i'm gonna twerk it fucking exactly i'm going to fucking twerk so kiss my ass kelly kiss my ass you motherfucker mm point blank and a motherfucking period okay guys we're gonna take ourselves a quick music break when i come back we're gonna spill some more tea in hennessy don't go anywhere Knocking off the land, folks. Her desire and folks. I don't 
don't love him, I just fuck him, I just give him Saying fucks, no fucks about a hoe I just grind some more It's come up like it's nasty, no paradise when we roll Always moving, always moving, motors gotta go Tell them adios, pressure came, no one behind the post Live man turned to ghost, I took all approach Got Welcome back to the T in Hennessy, I hope you guys enjoyed that music break we are back with more talking about tea and Hennessy. And right now, our focus is Miss Megan, the motherfucking stallion. Honey is taking her management, her, her record label to court. And there's issues with her and Tori Lanez. Let's talk about it, guys. There we go. Megan the Stallion is on a mission to prove she's telling the truth when it comes to her legal battles with 1501 Certified Entertainment, its CEO, Carl Crawford and Tori Lynette. On Tuesday, February 22nd, Crawford posted a story about Megan missing her lawsuit against him, Jay Prince, in 1501 to, inst to an Instagram account. Mm. A carefully placed angry emoji apparently caught Megan's attention and she snapped on the former MLB player, reminding him he's still getting sued for an outstanding debt. Crawford hopped back on his Instagram stories and called Megan a liar using a Pinocchio emoji. We're not bullying nobody, he wrote. That's yet another lie and fake narrative made up by some of the best PR people you would ever come across. Hashtag now what's really real. Ooh, but Megan the Stallion had an entirely different problem to tackle on Wednesday, February 23rd, after Akimatis shared a tweet that read, Breaking, it's revealed in court court a few months ago that Tori Lanez's DNA was not found on the weapon used in the Megan the Stallion case. Mm. But Megan the Stallion quickly started doing damage control on her own Instagram stories and claimed court court hadn't even been called into session when Akimatis supposedly got that news. Court hadn't even started yet, so why y'all ready to start lying, she began. I know some of y'all blogs on payroll, but please don't get sued trying to create a hate campaign. Be a real journalist and post facts. And to my haters, keep making yourself look stupid. I don't care. She continued, y'all got breaking news 15 minutes before court started and yet nobody has even been called in yet y'all trying to win a social media campaign this is my real life y'all trying to get retweets spreading false narratives at echinitis why are you lying why are what did you gain mm. the houston native then pointed out the entire case's public record and admitted how frustrated she is by the lack of research when it comes to reporting on the shooting incident what's even more fucked up is this shit is all public record and nobody even cares to read only thing that happened in court today was it got pushed back to April 5th. But y'all will get a lot trending. Imagine how I feel reliving this shit every day publicly. It hurts. I'm so tired. Megan Thee Stallion was reportedly shot in both feet in July 2020 after a night out with Keeping Up With The Kardashian star Kylie Jenner. Several days later, Megan Thee Stallion identified Tori Lanez as the shooter, which he has consistently denied. Earlier this month... <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. <coughs> no, I don't have COVID. The Canadian artist shared a photo of himself in a red sports car flipping off the camera. He wrote in the caption, just got off the phone with my lawyer, along with two middle fingers and a devil face suggesting he was anticipating a favorable outcome. 
But Meg, as Megan the Stallion claimed, the only outcome in court on Wednesday was another postponement. The case is headed to trial on April 5th. Now let's get into the details of why she is suing the label. It is over the definition of an album, of her album. The dispute is about her 2021 release, Something for the Hotties, which was classified as a mixtape. It debuted at number three on the U.S. Billboard's top R&B and hip-hop albums chart in the first week of release. In the lawsuit filed on Friday, Megan's team say the release clearly meets the definition of album. In document seen by Radio 1 Newsbeat, it says 1501 wants to tie Megan down for its own financial benefit. Her legal team believe the label wants to keep her locked in her contract for longer so they can profit from her sales. Record deals are usually signed with an agreement of how many albums the artist will release before they can renegotiate or leave the al- leave the label. This isn't the first time Megan has had conflict with her record label. In 2020, she started a previous lawsuit against 1501 claiming they were blocking her from releasing new music because she wanted to renegotiate the terms of her contract. On Instagram Live at the time, she said, when I signed, I didn't really know what was in my contract. I was young. I think I was like 20 and I didn't know everything that was in my contract. It has since been dropped and the label allowed her to release music. 1501 boss Carl Crawford posted on Instagram on Tuesday referencing the resolved lawsuit from 2020, which I just talked about. Megan shared a screenshot of his post to her Instagram, which she has since deleted. She said Crawford never know what's going on with business. We are most definitely still in court and you still getting sued because you owe me money. I ain't never been paid for 1501 in my life. The new lawsuit isn't seeking pavement from 1501, except legal fees, only recognition that something for the hotties is an album. In the lawsuit filed by Megan's lawyers, it says something for the hotties clearly meets the definition of album under the recording agreements because it is not less than 45 minutes in length. According to the lawyers, a length of 45 minutes or more is the only requirement in Megan's contract to define what constitutes an album. The lawsuit says 1501's new position taken months after the album's release is clearly a ruse in an effort to try to take further advantage of Megan at great expense and not in good faith. In the 2021 Grammys, Megan took home Best New Artist and along with Beyonce won Best Rap Performance and Best Rap Song for Savage Remix. Newsbeat has contacted Megan Thee Stallion Management and 1501 for comment, but neither has responded. Man, this is, that is, ooh. Girl, I sincerely hope you get your money and what's going on with the Toilet Nuts case, it will get resolved. That's crazy. And as for Azalea Banks, she keeps on threatening Julia Fox, Kanye's current ex, and it ain't cute. Okay, Miss Tokyo Tony Jr., fucking A, you need to sit your fucking ass down. For real. Sit your fucking ass down and get a fucking life because it ain't fucking cute, boo. It ain't fucking cute. And as for Miss Thang over here, Miss, uh, Miss Julia, good job basically cutting ties with Kanye shit, trying to turn you into Kim Kardashian, number two. And Kanye is not letting go. He is still continuing. He wants Kim back. And 
he's making the divorce even more difficult than it has to be. When really it's ridiculous. She doesn't want to be with you anymore and she's moved on. It sucks when someone does not return the same feelings as you, but you can't force them to stay. And deadlocking her into trying to give him another to give um to give him another chance says uh, everything to his mindset that he cannot that he cannot handle being rejected. And you know what? Kim is saying and Kim since Kim has chosen herself, she is team me. She has said Kanye Kim Kardashian says Kanye West must accept that our marital relationship is over. I very much desire to be divorced. I asked Kanye to keep our divorce private, but he has not done so. Kardashian says in new filings, saying his IG posts have caused her emotional distress. Kim Kardashian is pleading with the court to fast track her single status, saying Kanye's recent request for delay is bad for both sides. In a new court filing late Wednesday, Kardashian argues West is causing her emotional distress by posting about their relationship on social media and falsely alleging he might face financial harm if their marriage is terminated ahead of a fin final settlement on property and custody issues. I very much desire to be divorced. I have asked Kanye to keep our divorce private, but he has not done so. Kardashian says in her new statement to the court obtained by Rolling Stone. Kanye has been putting a lot of misinformation regarding our private family matters and co-parenting on social media, which has created emotional distress. I believe that the court terminating our marital status will help Kanye to accept that our marital relationship is over and to move forward on a better path, which will assist us in peacefully co-parenting our children. She says there's no way to salvage the marriage and their separate finances are more than safe. While I wish our marriage would have succeeded, I have come to the realization that there is no way to repair our marriage. Kanye does not agree, but at least it appears that he has come to the realization that I want to end our marriage, even if he does not. I ask that the court restore me to the status of, single, of a single person so that I can begin the healing process and so that our family can begin the healing process and move forward in this new chapter in our lives, she says in her new statement. Kardashian forcefully argues that not only did she and Wes keep their finances separate during their marriage, they filed separate income tax returns and consistently maintained separate business managers, tax preparers, estate attorneys, and business attorneys. It is Mr. West's bitterness and unhappiness that Ms. Kardashian seeks relief from. Her new filing states, she and her lawyers argue both and West are independently wealthy and will remain protected by their ironclad prenup and divorce restraining orders once they're restored to single status. No additional conditions are necessary to protect Mr. West's property interests because there is nothing to protect. There is no community property. There are no jointly titled assets. Miss Kardashian's assets, all titled in her name or in the name of her revocable and irrevocable trust and entities are, are her separate property as agreed by the parties in their prenuptial agreement. The same is true for Mr. West's assets. Mr. West does not deny any of this in his responsive papers, her new filing states. It was last week that West, whose legal name is now Ye, 
asked a Los Angeles County Superior Court judge to deny Kardashian's pending request that she be declared legally single ahead of her final judgments in the couple's high-profile split. He claimed significant problems remain and that early termination could impede negotiations and evidence gathering. If a party remarries before the case is concluded, a hearing in the case is set for March 2nd. In a series of Instagram posts and public statements over the last few months, Wes was alternately begged for a reconciliation with Kardashian and criticized the shape where Mogul and her new boyfriend, Saturday Night Live, Pete Davidson. Appearing in the Drink Champs podcast last November, Ye declared Kardashian is still my wife despite the divorce. In his Thanksgiving prayer posted November 25th, Ye said, All I think about every day is how I will get my family back together at a massive concert at the Los Angeles Coliseum in early December. He changed the lyrics of his runway to I need you to run back to me, baby, more specifically, Kimberly. The rapper later embarked on a highly public relationship with uncut gem star Julia Fox and publicly blasted Kardashian with claims he barred him from a family birthday party and was allowing their eight-year-old daughter to post videos on TikTok against his wishes. He also repeatedly attacked Davidson in social media posts in his new music, too. Kardashian has remained mostly quietly and but defended herself with a rare social media statement. As the parent who is the main provider and caregiver for our children, I am doing my best to protect our daughter while also allowing her to express her creativity in the medium that she wishes with adult supervision because it brings her happiness. Divorce is difficult on our children and Kanye's obsession with trying to control and manipulate our situation so negatively and publicly is only causing further pain for all. I totally agree. He needs to accept that it's over. But for an egomaniac like him, it it's never going to change. And people need to stop making fun of this. Like I said before, stop making fun of this because if she ends up getting hurt, y'all are not going to find it funny. Okay, we're going to take ourselves another quick music break. When I come back, we're going to talk about Liz Lizette Martinez's book interview. Stay tuned. So ready, text blowing up, this chick wanna fuck I text her back, I'm good, cause she run her mouth too much I ain't never been thirsty for pussy, not my speed Add to the fact, once they come, they don't wanna leave I let my mind wander when the stars out Summer nights, my city bring the cars out Had to hit my man army just to check up on him That's what real niggas do, don't need a reason for it Pulled over, sparked up the clip I had Thinking about my last kill, damn that bitch was bad I ain't never been cocky, I just reminisce My heart beat for nights like this I'm in the clouds now
pretty, bad bitch sitting pretty, got a rubbing on her titties like woo. Smoke got me dizzy, but I'm cool, steady chillin', ain't no tellin' where a nigga might go. New kicks fresh out the box, work so hard to stay off the block. Come roll with me to the other side, come roll with me to the other side. I'm bothered by you niggas, I am so zen. Add to the fact you can't match my pen Silly rabbit insecure, thought I wanted this chick Could've had his side piece though, that's real shit Could give a fuck about the lame, that's always been the vibe I'ma forever be me, 365 Got a date with destiny, I love the way she tastes All excited, pussy throbbing when I grab her waist She say I'm nasty, leaning on the whip with the blunt lit I work hard to live free, fuck all the dumb shit These niggas say they outside, but duck in the smoke a bunch of bozos that ain't got nowhere to go I'm a clock cleaner, you a pop diva, there's a difference If you're scared, go to church, link up with your reverend I blow gray clouds, I'm a perfect storm Unstoppable, this ain't what you want I'm in the clouds now Shout out to her today because she is a part of the Women's History Month project. I'm very proud of her. Here we go. R. Kelly accuser Lizette Martinez, aka Jane Doe number nine, reveals how she survived years of his horrific abuse. Martinez hopes her new book, Jane Doe number nine, How I Survived R. Kelly, will help other survivors find their way towards recovery. On September 27, 2021, a New York jury found R&B singer R. Kelly guilty of racketeering, including sexual exploitation of children, forced labor, man act violations involving the coercion and transportation of women and girls in interstate commerce to engage in illegal sexual activity. At the time, Jacqueline Casales, acting U.S. attorney from the Eastern District of New York, stated, 
Today's guilty verdict forever brands R. Kelly as a predator who used his fame and fortune to prey on the young, the vulnerable, and the voiceless of his own sexual gratification. <clears throat> a predator who used his inner circle to ensnare underage girls and young men and women for decades in a sordid web of sex abuse, exploitation, and humiliation. Witnesses in the trial accused the 55-year-old of physical and sexual abuse. At the same time, his defenders claimed that they never saw him abuse women, but also stated that they weren't really around when Kelly was around said women or that they didn't want to see him convicted. However, though the trial began on August 18, 2020, the fire had started back in 2019 with the premiere of the Lifetime documentary series Surviving R. Kelly. It features several women who accused the singer of abuse. Many who had ignored his 1994 marriage and subsequent annulment with the then underage late singer Aaliyah. Or the trial regarding the sex tape that alleged that he had urinated and raped a 14-year-old girl could no longer deny the possibility that the whispers about Kelly were true. In fact... In 2006, MTV reported that Kerry Kelly, the singer's brother, alleged that he tried to have him take the fall for the tape. And according to Vibe, Kerry has also alleged that the singer abused their underage cousin. No stranger to the singer's abuse is Lizette Martinez, who was featured in the documentary. In 1995, Martinez, then 17, while with friends, met Kelly at a Florida shopping mall. At the time, she had dreams of becoming a professional singer. So when his bodyguard slipped her Kelly's phone number, she was excited and hopeful. However, she eventually realized that her aspirations wouldn't be realized. Labeled Jane Doe number nine for the trial, Martinez for so long had remained quiet. And although she had been prepared to testify against the singer, she wasn't called. Martinez recently sat down via Zoom with BET.com to discuss her book, The Follow After the Documentary, and Why She Will Always Fight for Women. BET, in your book, it feels like you didn't hold anything back. They were at times graphic details. I can't imagine how painful this has all been for you and the bravery that it took. Why did you choose to tell your story? Lizette Martinez. It was a lot to live through, and I have been holding this all in, but I decided to speak out because of the other girls and their families that couldn't see their daughters. When it happened, I was a young girl, and my parents wanted the same thing. BET, in a past interview, you spoke about how Kelly groomed you, plus in, plus in the book, you detail how events chipped away at you, at who you were. Can you please explain what that was like for you? Martinez, I met him when I was 17, and though my mom was a good person, my life at home wasn't the best, so it was easy for me to be preyed upon. So, but despite things going on at home, I was a happy girl with dreams and aspirations of being a professional singer. So, when I met him, I thought that I was going to have a career, and I was going to be able to help my family. It started slow. First, it was the alienation of my friends and my family. Then it was control of what I wore. It was emotional and mental. 
you believe the lies and start to become someone you don't even know or recognize. BET. When you met R. Kelly, did he know that you were 17? Martinez? Yes. After we met at the mall, he asked me to meet him at a restaurant, and I went with my best friend. We were talking about ourselves. We told him we were 17 years old and seniors in high school who loved singing and dancing. It never occurred to me that it would turn into what it did. When I would sit and speak with him, he was very young in his mind, and I thought that was so cool. It was like hanging out with one of your friends from high school. But while that's how he, he drew me in with his young type personality, he was also a controlling monster. Honestly, it was like there were three personalities, the young person, the controlling, abusive person, and then the person on stage who was beloved by his fans. BET, you mentioned in the book that you had seen other women's clothing. At the time, did you think that they were there were possibly other women? I think we were close. He used to say, you're my best friend. We spoke about our family. At times, he seemed like a very caring person. I knew there were other women, but I didn't see them. But there was a time when I saw young girls at a fancy hotel in Chicago. That is when I started to feel that something was off. BET. You have said that you cared about him and even mentioned in the book that you thought you loved him. Looking back now, do you still believe that you loved him? Martinez. I was a young girl. I think it was mind control and manipulation. I thought I loved him, but after being in a healthy relationship, I know that wasn't love. But I wanted him to get help. I didn't want him to hurt other women. Just talking about this, I still get uneasy after all this time. I noticed my body changes whenever I talk about it. When I grew up, there wasn't a lot of talk about domestic violence or sexual abuse as there is today. I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone. I wish there had been an outlet for me. BET. Have you been able to get some help for yourself? Have you sought counseling? Martinez. It is a matter of finding the right therapist, and I haven't found the right one. I haven't found a good trauma-informed therapist. Since the documentary, I have really, I have really had to look at a lot of things, the good and the bad. I have a lot of anxieties and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Some days are better than others, but I appreciate you sitting down with me. After the documentary, it was hard. BET, I am so very sorry for all that pain that you've, have to, you've had to endure. And I know that there are no words that I can't possibly say to you that could mend any of that. What was your experience in making a documentary? Mm. Martinez. Hollywood will put you out there and when it's all done, no one is there for you. There must be accountability. You can't sit people in a chair for eight hours without having trauma-informed therapists. There were times that there would have been a break. There should, there should have been a break. Sorry, guys. They love getting you like that. It's like emotional porn. But what happens once you get home and you're having flashbacks? BET, do you believe that the documentary did some good? What was the importance of the documentary? And why did you agree to do it? Martinez, I signed up because I'm all in when it comes to, to the fight. I will never stop telling on predators. 
I will never stop supporting other women despite what I have been through. We have to hear black, brown, black and brown women out. I don't think there has been another documentary like that and it held him accountable. I think that if we sat, we hadn't sat. <clears throat> Sorry guys, my, my throat is itchy tonight. I think that if we hadn't sat for all those hours and told our story, he would still have continued because no one cares that black and brown about black and brown women. That's the reality of it. That's why we did it. We had gotten out, but there were still two young girls in there. We didn't care about the money. We suffered and gave up a lot. People don't understand when you tell your story, you get bullied online and you get death threats. So I appreciate the documentary. However, there needs to be reform when dealing with survivors who are healing. BET, you have spoken about feeling anxious during the trial because there was a possibility you could have been called. Were you worried about seeing him again? Martinez, I was really worried about facing him and nervous about his fans. I heard about what happened when the other women went to testify. There were people outside of the courthouse yelling and cursing at them. I'm a really strong woman, but to face him, the people at the courthouse, and all the things said online, it was a lot. And though I had anxieties about it, but I was prepared to do it no matter what. What is on the horizon? Helping women. I wrote a song called My Truth. It is dedicated to all survivors, but mainly the R. Kelly survivors. The proceeds will go to a nonprofit. I'm going to build a safe house for women in Puerto Rico. If there were a safe house for me back for me back then, I would have gone there. Lizette Martinez's book, Jane Doe Number Nine, How I Survived R. Kelly, is available for purchase. I'm very proud of Lizette and the survivors. Truly. And Lizette, I know that you were at a conference today, and I want to, I just want to tell you, I hope you did well, and I, I love you, girl, and thank you for being so strong and always fighting for black and brown women. All right, guys, that's all the time that we have for you right now. I will check back with y'all next week. Y'all have a good day, and please get yourself a copy of my book, Love, Lives, and Broken Hearts. It's available now on Amazon. Good night, y'all.